Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Daily Tech News Show is powered by you. To find out more, head to dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. This is the Daily Tech News for Wednesday, May 23rd, 2018. From Studio Feline, I am Sarah Lane. Tom Merritt is on vacay this week. From Salt Lake City, where I've been fished for the first time. It's a long story. I'm not going to tell it here, but I fell for a fishing scheme for the first time in my life. I'm Scott Johnson. How do you set that up and not tell us what happened? (laughs) I know. I'll give you the short of it. I got a bunch of codes from Blizzard Entertainment to give away to our fantastic listeners of a show of mine. They were all excited about getting codes for this beta of a game that comes out in uh, August. And uh, then somebody followed up with another email saying, hey, I'm part of the systems team here. Here are five additional codes in case any don't work. Uh, I need the full spreadsheet of all the names of people that you are giving these to at the end so we can verify access. I didn't bother to dig much further. I thought it was legit. I sent them the whole spreadsheet, and now nobody can get their codes to work. So, well done, Internet. You got me. Oh, man. Yeah, it's a bummer. We're working it out, though. Blizzard's amazing, and I'm an idiot, and we're going to make good on all of it. But it's still annoying and kind of a pain in my butt. Well, yeah. I mean, it does happen. It does. Even to the smart people, such as Roger Chang. Roger, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. What's going on in the eastern part of uh, our uh, L.A. basin? It's uh, <laughs> surprisingly chilly. It's like in the mid-60s here, and it's overcast. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Give us uh, traffic later or just the, just the weather now? Or? Oh, I don't do traffic. <laughs> I don't do traffic. Well, you know what we do do? Tech news. So let's start with a few tech things you should know. Sources tell Bloomberg that Apple's manufacturing partner, TSMC, is making seven nanometer processors for new iPhones that should be launched later this year, possibly called the A12. That would be the next successor. The seven nanometer design would be faster, smaller, and more efficient than the 10 nanometer chips that Apple uses in the iPhone 8 and 10 currently. TSMC said in April it did start mass producing seven nanometer processors, but at the time did not say who for. Mm. I have an idea. Uh, Speaking of Apple, Apple users in the EU can now download a copy of all the data Apple has collected via a new data and privacy website, which has App Store and iTunes activity, Apple ID and device information, online and retail activity, 
Apple Care support history, and more. All the stuff you've really ever done where they have data from you. The EU got priority due to GDPR and roll out to the rest of the world soon. So they plan on making this available everywhere, despite the fact that these are not rules in some countries, but they want to make it everywhere. Apple says it will take up to seven days to process requests for security reasons. Sources tell Axios, Ireland-based online gaming company Paddy Power Betfair is buying fantasy sports site FanDuel. The two companies had possible merger talks earlier this month after the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that states can legalize sports betting. Paddy Power will manage its U.S. assets with FanDuel and contribute $158 million in cash. FanDuel planned a 2017 merger with DraftKings, but was denied by U.S. antitrust regulators. Guess what, Roger? Uh, guess what's still in? Gambling. <laughs> People are into it, turns out. It's uh, it's uh, it's a thing that won't go away. It's like eating. Yeah, it's a little bit like eating. I mean, first of all, I love the fact that a gaming company is called Patty Power Betfair based in <laughs> Ireland. So good work. Yeah. Um, and we actually, Roger and I talked to uh, Justin last Thursday about this. And you know, both of us were sort of like, gambling, how's that work? Is it a big deal? So um, luckily, we will be with him tomorrow to talk a little bit more about the story and what it means. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk a little more about Comcast. Oh, Comcast. Comcast confirms it's preparing to buy large portions of 21st Century Fox, including Fox's 30% stake in Hulu, for a rumored $60 billion as part of a hostile bid. You might recall Walt Disney currently has a $52.4 billion offer to buy the same company. The sale does not include Fox News, Fox Business, or the Fox Broadcasting Company. Separately, Comcast is in the process of trying to acquire Sky as well, which is a British pay TV network. We're going to talk about this a little later in the show, but a lot of speculation going on. We are not too far from a reality where most of the content and media of this world will be owned by one of two corporations, Disney or Comcast, and they will be fighting until the end. So for those who are worried about not having enough competition in the future when it comes to this stuff, at least you'll have two. <laughs> two choices out there, and they're going to own everything, and I don't know how I feel about it, but we will talk way more in the middle of the show. Uh, yes, Cisco's Talos Intelligence Group says that more than a half a million routers and network devices in 54 countries have been infected with malware. It's called FP, or sorry, VPN Filter, which contains a kill switch for routers, can steal logins and passwords, and can monitor industrial control systems. Ugh, that last one makes me nervous. VPN Filter uh, has infected routers in the Ukraine in particular, with a spike in infections in the Ukraine on May 8th and May 17th. Talos researchers say routers from Linksys, Microtik, Netgear, TP-Link, they're all affected. And they use malware shares that many of the same code is used, or sorry, that the malware shares many of the same code used in known Russian cyber attacks and called the attack, quote, Likely state-sponsored, unquote. Well, that's a comforting paragraph, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it? I mean, if the lion's share of the affected routers are in Ukraine, one would come to that conclusion, mm-hmm. right? Sure. Uh, w- what that means, I'm, you know, I'm certainly, you know, not, uh, you know, up on up on the news enough to to speculate. However, having a kill switch for a number of routers 
uh, in the, you know, 500,000 plus mm-hmm. is, uh, that is significant. No, it's breathtaking. Like that's a lot of routers. Now what that would actually mean, uh, I'm trying to think practically might mean, well, routers down, uh, this is a very sensitive thing. So we need to go to our redundant routers. If those are also down, then I don't know. Like redundancy is a question. And I would hope that a lot of these uh, places, especially the ones re- referring to themselves as uh, let's see, what do they call themselves? Industrial control systems. Let's hope that they have more than just a little bit of uh, tape and and uh, string to keep all that stuff together. Uber is wow. shutting down testing of self-driving cars in Arizona after one of its cars killed a pedestrian in March. Uh, that was a an accident. I think we've talked about it on the show before. In an internal email, Uber executive Eric Mayhofer wrote that Uber would be shifting its focus to Pittsburgh, where the company has been testing self-driving cars since 2016 and San Francisco, where Uber is also headquartered. Uber hopes to resume testing in Pittsburgh this summer after all testing was grounded following the accident. About 200 Uber employees' uh, jobs in Arizona will be affected by this change. Uh, I still don't know why. I mean, I understand. There's an accident. I get it. You want to take all precautions. Um, it was Elon Musk who was, who was ranting on Twitter not long ago about you know, for for the one accident that you hear about uh, from an from an autonomous car, no one reports on the thirty thousand that happened that same year just from regular old driving. And I think he kind of has a bit of a point in regards to where we're f- focusing the news. But because this is a new thing, it's this uh, potentially an industry altering, life altering, culturally altering thing that could happen over time. That's why the media tends to focus on the the flub ups as they happen. I, but I don't quite understand why Arizona would no longer be a good testing place for this. It seems like there are plenty parts of Arizona anyway that would be, I don't know, less people walking around. So better yeah. place to test. Yeah. I, I mean, I know Pittsburgh for Uber in this market, you know, they've been testing for a couple of years now. So uh, in that sense, it it makes sense that they would want to keep testing as long as everything's been going well there. There is probably a lot of local backlash that maybe you don't hear about or you know feel unless you're in the Arizona area where somebody actually died. So this is probably a little bit of a PR thing. 200 Uber employees losing their jobs, not good. I know the majority of those were uh, self-driving testers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's possible that it was you know a market that uh you know wasn't uh going to be expanding anyway for Uber, but you know just kind of unfortunate. Yeah. President Trump may find ZTE and force management changes to the board and, and managers as well as an alternative to the current seven-year ban on U.S. firms supplying parts to ZTE, which has effectively broken ZTE's business. Members of Congress have already accused the president of making a deal with a company, that ZTE, that has already admitted to violating sanctions on Iran. Trump said that U.S. tech companies have also been hurt by the Commerce Department's decision back in April that prohibits them from selling components to ZTE. Trump said a fine could reach $1.3 billion, but he didn't give details on how this would be legal and he he has the jurisdiction to do this. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a ton to say about it, except I find this this uh, ZTE story as it develops just super, super odd. Like, it just seems at, at contradiction to policy during both the lead up to the election and since he's taken office, it seemed like we were trying to position ourselves in a much more um, competitive position against 
Chinese practices in terms of how we're doing commerce with them now versus what we'd want to do. And it seems like this is like a weird one-off where someone's got a friend someplace and it's weird. Like I find it very, very strange that we're, that we're throwing any money, heat, effort, whatever behind trying to save a Chinese corporation Again, I'm not saying that's the bad idea or a good idea or whatever that idea is. I'm just saying it feels contrary to everything else leading up to it. So I, I don't quite understand it. Um, and I don't think it's political to say that, you know, this we run into these things here and there in this administration. So maybe it's not that surprising. But I, I find this one in particular, especially from a tech angle, just a, a little odd. Yeah, me too. Very weird. Uh, starting today, U.S. Facebook users can now browse through home service professionals in the Facebook marketplace. Oh, I just had something done to my fence. I should have done this. Including house cleaners, plumbers, contractors, as well as price quotes for services like Handy, Home Advisor, and Porch. They're all partners at the launch. Uh, as of last year, Marketplace has been growing at a rate of 18 million new listings per month. That's a lot. At least I think it is. Um, and search volume has increased three times as of last October. Amazon is a pretty similar category. It launched several years ago, while Walmart recently partnered with Handy. And Google is also working with both Home Advisor and Porch to connect its voice assistant users with home pros nearby. Uh, that's fascinating to me because I do think that, uh, like ride sharing, we've talked about Uber, Uber before, I just feel like there's a lot of uh, room to grow in the space of I need to get something fixed, replaced, added to, whatever, and and ha- being able to get those services in a way that are less about me looking up something in the yellow pages and getting 50 bids. Um if Facebook is the hub for that, I guess that's cool. I don't know. How do you feel about it? You would do you- Well, you know, the three of us were talking before the show and I was like, I have never once used the Facebook marketplace, at least not to, you know, actually get a service. Yeah, I kind of look through it here and there every once in a while, but just haven't used it. But okay, so what do I do if I want uh, somebody to fix my plumbing? I search for plumber, Venice, California on the internet, you know? So it's like, I'm kind of doing what Facebook is trying to make easier for all of us. They're partnering with companies that already have a a large number of professionals that they're, you know, trying to connect with me. So it's not like they're reinventing the wheel, but as you mentioned, if some, if, if you and Roger and, you know, maybe a couple other people say like, this is the best plumber, then I'm going to do that. If I find that on Facebook, all the better. And everybody's on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 18 million listings a month seems pretty good to me. Um, we just had a fence thing done and we did it the old fashioned way. Call around the names that we found. And I think we Googled them, but it was basically like looking them up in the yellow pages and had two or three bids and then picked the lowest guy and it all worked out fine and everything was good. Um, but I'm, I am not surprised to see this stuff getting more and more centralized, more and more automated, more and more, you know, connected to, to the people who need the work done. Uh, and Facebook's huge. So why not? You know, we're all this talk about Facebook lately and, and all, all of the negative press that Facebook gets, uh, in recent news, this is actually a pretty positive thing, I think. And then someone will figure out a way to take advantage of it and then we'll all be mad that it exists. So yeah, I fight with people. Well, I don't fight with them. I secretly fight with them in my brain uh, <laughs> with people on Facebook about all sorts of things. Yeah. But if somebody tells me like, this is the guy, this is your plumber, I'm probably going to go with that. Yep. You know? Sure. Yeah. It's that social social network working for us. Hey, everybody, to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes or less, subscribe to dailytechheadlines.com. <laughs> All right, so we talked a little bit uh, earlier in the show about the idea of Comcast buying 21st Century Fox 
rather than Disney, which already has a bid out. And, you know, I mean, it still had to go through regulation, but a lot of people thought that that was, that was the deal. So Comcast, his bid is not too much higher. It's $60 billion rather than $52.4 billion, which is Walt Disney's offer, which is considered a hostile bid because they're trying to take over something that's already in process. Doesn't include, again, like we said before, Fox News, Fox Business, Fox Broadcasting, includes sports, includes movies, includes a 30% stake in Hulu, mm-hmm. along with other things. Which is Scott, the entire stake in Hulu, right? I don't think they're, I think that's all Fox's controlling interest is in Hulu at the moment. So it'd be the entirety of their interest in Hulu, I think. You know, when I read the story, you know, beyond the sort of like, I don't know, like one big company buys Fox or another one does, the Hulu thing is interesting to me because Hulu has, uh, along with Amazon and Netflix and and some some other networks, had some original content successes lately, right? Mm-hmm. And that is something that a lot of companies want to get a bite of. Mm-hmm. 30% stake, well, okay. Um, but that seems like, along with the whole film arm of this, that this is probably very attractive to a company like Comcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. I mean, look, Comcast already, I mean, I said it earlier in the show, we really are heading to a place where it's two main competitors in media. Whether we like it or not, that's where we're headed. And if we don't like it, we should do something about it, I guess. But it seems like that's kind of how we're going to go. Um, uh, here, here's my thinking. Comcast already owns NBC. And then all the NBC-owned properties, sci-fi, uh, I can't even think of them all, but all the NBC cable channels, all of that stuff, Already, uh, this would now be Comcast owning what would have been one of the big four rival networks and therefore owning two of them. Now, Disney owns one of them. Uh, also, it's CBS or ABC. I always forget which one. My brain doesn't work. ABC. 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 Yep. So mm-hmm. so they're they're similar, but not quite in that they don't have two major networks that are normally pitted against one another, uh, having them under the same roof. To me, that seems like weird competition rule breaking, and I don't know anything about those laws. So, some of one of these smart lawyers that listens to DTNS is going to write in and set this entire record straight, and I'm stoked about that because they always do, and they're so smart. But that feels like a weird thing to me. And I know that you know you could say this about all the channels they own. If why isn't Sci-Fi technically competition for NBC Prime? I, I I don't know, but it does feel like having Fox in there is a little bit weird. How this applies to me, though, is who gets X-Men, uh, who gets the rights to um, the uh, Fantastic Four to finally do that stuff right? Like, just from a nerd perspective, I was excited about Disney because Disney's got the MCU rolling like a monster right now, and they're getting it right. So I don't know what NBC does with that, or rather Comcast does with that. Like, does that become some kind of weird cable exclusive? Do they not even touch those things? Do they let them sit? Do they work with Marvel on some kind of deal? And then that's a twisted thing where the two biggest media corporations in the world are sharing ideas. Like, I don't know, like the whole thing feels like in 20 years, if we flash forward, we just find a a hellscape of two companies running everything. Well, I mean, if you look at it from the perspective of what they're, what they're looking to, uh, what they will get when they get this, they'll get an, an, an additional outlet for their content, which includes licensing rights that they don't already have. And, they get a production arm that allows them to generate more content. Two very important things for any media conglomerate, right? The ability to generate content and an outlet in which to sell it through. And so they could very well be positioning themselves not 
just from a very U.S. centric position, but in a global perspective, right? By by being able to to leverage the licensing rights that Fox uh, already had in various uh, countries, um, because you know it's you know there's going to be a time where all these companies are going to be global companies, and they're going to. Well, I mean, they already are, but uh, in terms of content, you know, they want to kind of do what Netflix does is. I produce once and you can watch anywhere, right? Whether I'm in uh, France or, or whatever, uh, Australia, I can watch the same season of Stranger Things that gets shown in the US. And oh, actually, yes. Um, and so what I, I'm thinking is that they're looking at it to, to expand their reach in the US, but also to kind of broaden out their international reach uh, that they, they so desperately want. Yeah. Of note, uh, and we mentioned it earlier in the show, Comcast is also looking to buy Sky, which is a big British pay TV subscriber. Yep. And also, if this were to happen, right, uh, Comcast still has to uh, get through the Department of Justice, which is currently trying to stop AT&T from buying Time Warner. And uh, rumors uh, in the past said that a judge was expected to rule on the AT&T Time Warner merger by June 12th, and Comcast was waiting for that outcome to make a move. So for whatever reason, they have not waited. Well, if Tom was here, he would be talking me down from my emotional reaction tree. But (laughs) since he's in Australia, running around on beaches, having a good time, all I can do is think about our our, uh, Blade Runner future where everything is mega corporation controlled governments are no longer really governments and 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 elected by the people but run by giant faceless corporations and well the devil's advocate is that ideally if this goes through you would be able to get a lot of this content through one pipe now the pricing on that pipe might vary depending on where you're at uh but like you would be able to get a, a lot of these unless Comcast wants to reintroduce these, the uh, the the set, you know the tiering that we have on cable at least in the U.S. cable TV right mm-hmm. where you have different tiers so you know a, another way to kind of um, segment their subscription offerings uh, or segment their offerings in the various subscriptions right so. but they also own all these stations now under these subsidiaries and would if they got Fox they'd have that much more. That would include FX and a million other things Fox is doing, plus all the Fox production stuff that's already shows in other networks. Um, and then, it, and, then and then they also control, if, if you're a traditional cable subscriber, they're controlling the actual pipe to your house. Like, not just the internet, forget about that for a minute, just the cable to your house to get you the, the programming you want is also them controlling it. Like, none of this seems like it should, I don't know about legal, but it feels nebulous in terms of its legality it seems very cartel like yeah um i think i think the uh more than disney for for whatever reason i don't feel like the disney one is quite as as hardcore it's because disney doesn't do broadband subscriptions do they do they offer like the the magic kingdom tier of high speed broadband (laughs) or like you know the teapot teapot ride level like if you just need to if they did it would be safe to say they would gouge us just like comcast oh i'm sure they would um it's it's what's interesting though is the 16 billion will be be financed so it's probably not something i mean it's something they're going to need to borrow money for right if they don't have 16 billion on hand uh to pay for it so 
Um, the date there is a danger that if some of this stuff falls out in terms of popularity of content that Fox has, or they're not cranking out movies that people want to watch, it could be it could it could handcuff the company because they would have invested so much money uh, into this acquisition. Uh, I mean, long term, you know. So right. uh, it's it, I mean, it's a the obvious. There's an obvious benefit for Comcast uh, up front. Uh, but there's a potential for a downside if if you know things if superhero comic book movies suddenly get cold, and you know they need to come up with another genre that they're not you know in a position to provide. Right. Well, I think it's fascinating. Well, me too. I I don't know. I mean, this was a, a story that broke. Well, it broke this morning, but you know it's it's uh, it's timely. So we're gonna have a lot more updates on this, uh, whether or not this actually happens whether the DOJ is going to approve it and more. Or more uh, importantly, whether or not Klinger is the newest Disney princess. And I now I don't have closure on this because they get mash. Klinger? They get mash in this deal. And if they, oh. if they, so now they control all the old mash stuff, anything they do might do in the future. And Klinger was supposed to be the latest, greatest Disney princess. Mash V Hogan's heroes. Yeah. Make it happen. <laughs> All right. Thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit every day. We use your your stories to choose our own, especially for headlines. I did it this morning. Submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com and facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow is where to go if you prefer Facebook. We don't care. We just want to chat with you. And thanks for the support. Time to check the mailbag. Mark in Canada has thoughts on our story we talked about yesterday about Amazon providing facial recognition tech to law enforcement. Roger and Patrick and I were sort of like, huh, okay, what's this all mean? Mark says, Amazon acquired Ring not too long ago. Unlike the competition, like Nest, hello, Ring doorbell cameras don't do facial recognition, at least not now. It also doesn't record 24-7 video like the Nest, hello. You can see here that Amazon maybe is trying to perfect that AI, and then maybe even use the network of ring doorbells to help spot suspects, given that they also start providing 24-7 recordings. Ring already promised facial recognition in an update coming this year. Wow. I need to get a ring. Do you guys have one? No. Okay. I don't. I don't. I don't necessarily think that Amazon is trying to provide technology to law enforcement so that law enforcement can tap into people standing at our doorsteps. No, but probably not. I d- But I do think that if Amazon is trying to prove its AI model and law enforcement is a really great way to, you know, do that, then it's not necessarily some nefarious step that it's taking. Also, somebody came to your house and was like a known burglar or something like that. Just just to throw this out there as a hypothetical, you know, we may get emails on this, but let's say that happened at Sarah's apartment and you got this, you got a notification that... Uh, hey, there was a, a suspect actually tried to uh, come and ring your doorbell while you were gone. Uh, that helped lead to his arrest. Uh, just so you know, it was because of the data Amazon sells uh, to the to law enforcement that we were able to get him. Good job. Uh, justice has been done. How would you feel about that? Mm. <laughs> I know it's hard. It's a hard mm. question. It is I for me. I feel like if it was actually somebody that was trying to rob me, Thank you, Amazon. Otherwise, <laughs> ooh. I know. I know. This one's very catch-22. Anyway, yeah. we got another email. Mike, a proud patron and self-described cyborg who attended uh, Tom's uh, meetup in Melbourne this week. So that's cool. I heard that went yeah. really well, by the way, yeah, according too. to Tom's tweets. 
Hey, Sarah and Roger, just letting you know I had an awesome time at the Melbourne meetup yesterday. Really enjoyed meeting Tom and chatting with Raj and Peter and the other DTNS fans. Tom had a good laugh when I mentioned that the first uh, podcast I ever heard him on was actually How I Wow, a World of Warcraft cast podcast by Patrick way back in the day. Anyway, keep up the good work while Tom is away. Well, I'll have you know that that show spawned from the instance, a show I host. So we're all in it now, buddy, Mike. We're all in the same soup now. Full circle. In fact, you should be thanking Scott. (laughs) No, thank Patrick. Thank Patrick. Well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to thank Scott Johnson for being with us every Wednesday. Scott, what's been going on in your world? Well, other than bad routers and phishing schemes, everything's been going great. Uh, There's all kinds of cool stuff happening at the Frog Pants Network, including a brand new site that uh, has all the podcasts, all the artwork, all the everything. Uh, You can comment now on everything. It's all there. So we're very happy and proud that that thing's finally up. You can find it over at frogpants.com. And uh, today, uh, this month's lab episode for DTNS, which will be next week for me, will deal with how I went from a hacked bunch of web servers to where I am now and how you might be able to do the same. So look forward to that. That's next week for me. And for everything else, follow me on Twitter, at Scott Johnson. Excellent. Thank you also to our patrons and everyone who supports us. You can find out lots of details at dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. But Patreon is where our lion's share of all of our, uh, you know, we we love our patrons. We love our patrons very much. Patreon.com slash DTNS is where you go to find out more information and get a lot of exclusive content as well. And we have DTNS gear. I would like to ask you humbly to tweet Daily Tech News SH. That's our Twitter account. Or if you're in our boss's Slack, upload there. Show us your gear. Show us show us what you wearing your gear. Or you can use good old-fashioned email, which is fine because our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We're live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. You can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Justin Robert Young joins us tomorrow. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.